Big show today on episode 70 of the Hangtime Podcast. NBA Commissioner David Stern comes by to discuss the upcoming All-Star Weekend in Orlando and his thoughts on Lynn's sanity. And U.S. Secretary of Education Arnie Duncan joins to discuss his connection to Jeremy Lynn and what it's like playing basketball at the White House. All that and more on... Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, Hawks executive Arthur Trish. Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? Ooh, you think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host, Galliop Anderson. Just it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, versus Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming. Do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Greetings, greetings. It's All-Star Week around the NBA, just a few days away. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com, Lang Whitaker, Slam Magazine fame. My partner in crime in New York, sir. How are you? Are you ready for Orlando? I got to start packing. I've been doing laundry all day. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't packed a a stitch. That's been exciting, running up and down to the basement. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I got to pack, and then uh, and, and you're 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 going old school getting down there. Are we there yet? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm Dad, doing the, how far are we? Yeah, how so, far are we now? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be a drive. I'm taking the I'm taking the scenic route. I'm not getting on on an airplane. I'm getting on the highway. It's a chance to uh, the fam. You know, you mentioned Orlando. If you have a family, if anybody has kids out there, they understand. You mentioned. The words Orlando and Florida. So, I mean, you can mention Orlando and Pace or Orlando and a lot of other things. You mentioned Orlando <laughs> and Florida, and the kids have got uh, winter break. Oh, you, you, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Just just open the wallet and, you know. What they don't understand and what the, you know, this is the busiest week outside of the NBA Finals. This is the busiest week of the year. For uh, us. For us. Yeah, know, for the guys who cover the league, so. My wife mentioned, like, she, she said, well, if I'm off work, what do, you, do you care if I come down? And I was like, well, I got a hotel room, you, you know, you can to myself. So you're, oh, you're welcome to come down and stay. I was like, but you're not going to see much of me because yeah. there's so much stuff going on. Like, I usually end up, I leave the room in the morning and I come back. Stay going all day, yeah. Yeah, after the stuff at night and then you wake up the next day and it's the same thing again. Yeah. So there, it, it, there's not a lot of uh, downtime when you're there. No, no. And, you know, they – I'm looking We're forward not, to I'm the drive. I'm not complaining. Yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to the week and the time we spend uh in Orlando around the events, you know, because that to me is the the you know, this is the NBA's for for lack of a better analogy, this is kind of the NBA Super Bowl in terms right. of attention and you know, not everybody tunes in to the NBA finals, you know, unfortunately. That's more of a you know, specific to the hardcore fans and the people who really follow basketball. All-Star Weekend is, you know, the people who are, don't normally watch the NBA will watch to see the celebrity game and the slam dunk, you know, Sprite Slam Dunk Contest and these things. This is the weekend where the NBA gets to show itself off a little bit, which has always been fantastic and one of my favorite things to watch about the NBA for years, long before I started covering it, Langham, and I'm sure you as well. Um we got, I, I we, think I, th- I think that that Super Bowl comparison works because 
you know, the finals are, are it's at least a week long. Yes. You don't know how long it'll be and it's a series and but like with the Super Bowl, this is just one event and it yes. you know, all the hype leads up to this one moment. Obviously there's not a championship on the line, but there's still from the standpoint of having the time to, to lead up to that one thing, it, it's a pretty apt comparison to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I, I think it's a, of all places to have it, you know, Orlando this year with yep. Dwight Howard is, you know, magic superstar is kind of the unofficial host player. And usually every year there's some player or some group of players from the team that the, you know, the, the, the city is in that, that become kind of the guy that people look to. I, you know, I know, you remember in L.A. last year, everybody was like, well, this Blake's coming out party. Blake Griffin's coming out weekend in Kobe City and all that sort of stuff. Right. Well, this is Dwight's weekend, and depending on what goes down the next few months, could be his last weekend, uh, you know, yeah. hosting this, this sort of event in, quote-unquote, his city in Orlando. Um, I think that's going to be the giant subplot running through the entire weekend, Lang, is just – what happens with Dwight and, you know, how soon with, with the March 15th trade deadline coming up, does it happen? And um, are you are you curious to see if that kind of overshadows some of the, the luster of All-Star Weekend? I don't know if it will overshadow it, but I do think at, like, media availability. Yeah. <laughs> how many times is he going to get asked that exact uh. same question? For You know, because he has to sit there for an hour. How many times? And that table is going to be swamped with people asking the same thing over and over and over. Um, and so I, I think it, it's some, it's going to get talked about a lot. Um, someone asked me the other day if, if I thought Dwight was going to get moved or whatever. And I said, I don't know, but I don't think anything's going to happen until after all-star because <laughs> if he showed up, <laughs> if he showed up to, you know, for this game, wearing a Western conference uniform, <laughs> it would not go over very well. What, well, I mean, you talk about the the perfect gag. If I hate to give him any ideas, you know, Dwight has known, or has, you know, has been known to be a, a pretty humorous character throughout his career. But how sweet would that be if Dwight shows up with the Western Conference All Stars for media availability? You yeah. talk about freaking everybody out, but uh, but no, it'll be interesting. The other thing, nobody is—I have not heard anyone bring this up. Daytona, is it? Is this not? The the time of year when the Daytona 500 is is going on know. that and it might could correct me if I'm wrong. I believe uh, the Daytona 500 is this weekend, as is the Oscars. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, but the difference being the Daytona 500 is, uh, you know, I, what an hour and a half away from Orlando, ninety, you know, ninety minute ride up up the freeway. That's where you'll send uh, the wife and kids while you're doing the All Star <laughs> stuff. Something tells me they're not interested in going to Daytona. I think they got another place in mind right outside of Orlando but I know this I, I think that last hour and a half of Sekou's drive is going to be going about 170 <laughs> I'm just saying I, I guarantee you this that if, if what I remember of the Daytona 500 crowd it spreads well into Orlando and beyond so that mix of the all-star weekend crowd and the Daytona 500 crowd this may be one of the truly great weekends in all of sport Lang uh, yeah. When you talk about the cross mix of people that'll be on display in Orlando, and speaking of Orlando, who who better than to help us get primed for this huge weekend and and really look back at the season and all that's going on leading up to it than NBA Commissioner David Stern, who is good enough to join us here on the Hang Time Podcast before he gets under the spell of All Star Weekend and all the festivities that come with it. When I saw you here in Atlanta. Um, 
you know, the numbers and, and all of the metrics, as you called them, about how we gauge the, the success of the league or the, you know, how the, the mood is about the league is really good now. Um, do you feel like there was a, a, a just a, a really strong carryover from the great season that everybody saw last year and the playoff run and the Mavericks and all of that energy that really carried carried fans throughout that, that five-month process? I think it was that which got us through it. I think that our fans knew there had to be an adjustment of our system. And I think our fans were relieved that all we lost were 20% of our games. Right. And so the combination of the three, together with there being lots of basketball games uh, available starting Christmas Day and lots of basketball fans who had an appetite for it, made for a much faster comeback than was projected. Hmm. Um, Commissioner, hey, Lang Whitaker from from Slam here. Uh, We were talking uh, here in New York City, Linsanity is crazy. Have you caught the Linsanity? It's, uh, you know, I'm trying, I've, uh, I'm trying to keep my wits about me. So I've, uh, I've been inoculated, but it's very hard. It's really quite an extraordinary experience. (laughs) Commissioner, what do you you take away from, I mean, you know, I live here in New York too, and you don't often see that the city gets so excited about, um, about a player or an athlete as this has been like the last couple of weeks. Uh, what I take from this is that you New Yorkers <laughs> think it's only about you. This is a national and international phenomenon. Whether it was people at the NBA City restaurant at Universal Theme Park where somebody was watching, whether it's in uh, the islands where people were watching in the Caribbean and cheering, uh, or whether it's in China. Uh, this is a phenomenon of sort of the underdog uh, coming in and you know and doing something which could not be predicted, and the world is having a blast with it. Commissioner, you've been around for so long; you've seen a lot of these different you know types of things happen. Um, can you remember, you know, not specifics? To, to Jeremy Lamb, but can you rem- remember another instance where the the basketball world kind of caught fire? I mean, Time Magazine and these things, when you, you start seeing NBA players. I, nothing like this. Really? Nothing like this. I remember, you know, I don't know, I'll have to look at the calendar, but Billy Ray Bates, <laughs> uh, you know, came 100 years ago and had this spectacular rise from nowhere. But uh, I just think that this is unique. Uh, there are, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I think uh, we've had rookie pitchers come up in Major League Baseball, strike out 17 or 18 people, and that's it after their first start. Right. But uh, but I think this is really as unique as I can remember. And the conversation about it is so freighted with all kinds of discussions about ethnicity and race and stereotyping that it just continually fuels the discussion. Are you, sure. are you comfortable with with that being discussed in the context of the league? Because I know so many times 
you know, in the history of the NBA, you know, race has been an issue when the league was quote unquote too black, you know, years, years and years ago. To me, it seems like uh, a fantastic conversation to have within the con- context of, you know, the, the NBA and team, this team sport. Um, and I, and I say that because I, I know a, a lot of kids, my son's age, Jeremy Lin is not a stunner to them. You know, they're 12 and 13 year old kids. So, so what he's doing and the phenomenon is is different for them. They're kind of amazed to see the adults so shocked that yeah, Jeremy Lin is their, doing this. Right, the adults are losing their minds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It happens uh, in some ways. I would say, I'm glad that we're having the conversation here because I often say that if you want to engage the world in a single conversation. There's no place like sports. You want to talk about illiteracy. I remember years back, a football player couldn't read, even though he'd been through four years of college. And that was a big discussion because it was an NFL player. Uh, Magic Johnson and AIDS, it was in the context of sports. We've had more examples of that on due process and, and, and things that you're entitled to and others rushing to judgment. So sports is a wonderful medium, and it's a comfortable place to have the conversation. And I welcome it. The the fascinating thing to me is that there are lots of systems. I mean, even in the Chinese system, I was reading what I think it was Yao was saying. Yao has most of the Chinese players brought up in the system are six foot seven or above. <laughs> right. Because that's what they're looking for. But if you go to the playgrounds of Shanghai and Beijing you know, as Walt Frazier would say, they're shaking and baking, and they're not six seven. You know, they're just playing the game. They've got attitude, and they've got game. And I think uh, this is another sort of stereotype that we're breaking. It's not about ethnicity. It's about the Ivy League. It's about, you know, do you have to have a certain career arc you know, if you haven't played in the McDonald's Open or haven't been drafted, does that mean it's over? You know, and, and we're feeling good this week about having the D League, so that players who uh, you know who, who who missed the first time around have an opportunity, like Jeremy Lin, to go apply their trade. My guess is there will be more scouts at the D, more NBA scouts at the D League <laughs> All Star Game in Orlando than you could ever have expected before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Commissioner, a guy like a guy like Jeremy Lin came up and down from the D League and and uh, had his chances and was probably going to go back to the D League. And uh, before he, this kind of happened, is this? Are there other guys in the D League like this? That are you know, is this you know, opportunity meets pre- preparedness, or is this? I, um, I think there are a lot of there are a lot of guys that are being paid a lot of money collectively more than you and me who are going to have to answer that decision. But yeah, I think it's a fair point. How do you know, do you have to be in the right situation and be given the right minutes and not being yanked if you don't do something perfectly? Yeah. So it's, uh, but I think it's inspirational to a lot of people who, who are plugging away and think all they need is the break. And maybe that's true. Sometimes I say it's a little bit like, you know, the English bands, 
<laughs> I guess the Beatles were the Beatles after they were the Beatles, but before that, they were just another English import. Right. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, and and we may have lots of people. Think about the thousands and thousands of people that are playing very high quality basketball all over the world. The prototype used to be there was going to be some slow moving Eastern European player, like a George a. A Glukov or a Murasan or whatever, and all of a sudden you've got Tony Parker, you know, from Latin America, you have Manu Ginobili, you've got players who have some combination of game and attitude that's the same as what people here didn't expect from European players right. and from Latin American players. So, because there are stereotypes, but those are being broken down, and it's pretty exciting for our sport because. There are lots of kids who are not very tall who are out there practicing their point guard skills. Commissioner, the so much has been made about the the pace and the tempo of this season. Um, Is it too fast or too slow? Well, <laughs> I think a, I think a lot of people. You know, you talk to players, you talk to fans, and everybody. You know, there's some worry that you know it's too much too soon. But I, I keep bumping into people, fans, who love the fact that the season started on Christmas and that they were able to, you know, to kind of ride the, the, the wave of the season from Christmas to now. I I mean, I don't want to put you in a bad spot here or anything, but I mean, is there (laughs) any thought ever been given to maybe pushing the start of the season back permanently just to, to adjust to that kind of wave you can ride when the NFL is not in full swing? You know, we used to start the season like the first week or beginning of the second week in October, mm-hmm. and we pushed it back to like now. It often it starts the first day or second day of November. Right. Um, I guess I'll answer your question with a question. <laughs> Are you suggesting that we start then and end at the same time, or that we play ball into July? Well, f- for. For basketball junkies like myself, I'd be fine playing ball into July. <laughs> so would I. So would I. But we have a lot of we have a lot of networks and fans who would be upset with us with their season tickets. But it's a, you know, it certainly raises an issue for some discussion. That's all that I can say. The uh, you know to get back to the question that you opened the show with, it may be that the fans were so forgiving to us because most of our fans or some very significant segment of our fans think the season starts on Christmas Day anyway, <laughs> because that's the same, that's the first ABC telecast. Right, right. <laughs> is that, a, is that, Seku mentioned earlier the, the pace and the, but is that something that you guys are keeping an eye on, just so many games and, and so few days? Oh, Talking to players, yeah. every one of them, you know, that's the first thing that comes up when you mentioned this season, is, is just uh, yeah. not really having a, a break. yeah. Let me ask you a question. I want to do a quiz for you and your listeners. (laughs) So on average, in the past, like last season, we played seven games in each two-week period. What do you think we're playing this year in the same two-week period? I'll go uh, eight. I'm going with eight. Okay, you win. I have to split the prize. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you feel like maybe this is kind of a convenient – Answer for for guys when they talk about how whip they are, and I mean, is that? Yeah, well, I know. I tell you what, I think that it's not too easy an answer. I think it's there's some legitimate concern beneath it. 
I, but I think that what the concern relates to also goes back to different teams preparing in different ways. Some players coming at the camp in better shape than others. Some teams scrimmaging and practicing, and some teams not. Right. Some teams changing their player, you know, rotations and giving minutes or going deeper into the bench mm-hmm. because we let them have an extra player. And some teams turning more to their training staff to talk about recovery techniques from cold to, to, to massage to nutrition. So it's really very interesting. But the But the other thing that the players, I think, have a legitimate concern about is that Eight is only an average, and there are some periods where there'll be less, and some where there'll be more. Right. And if you injure yourself in a game, a kind of nagging injury that you'd probably sit out a game. You sit, you know, you wouldn't play tomorrow because it's an off day. But if it turns out that it's a game day, then you're being held out and you miss a game. Right. And so I don't think the players like that because they love to play. But the coaches and the trainers say, "No, you're not playing. You're resting." And so we've lost a few more. A games to injury than we would like, but that's just what's happening. Right. right. Well, I, I mean, enough of the 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 sideline chatter. Let's talk about the real hot button issue on the table here, Commissioner uh, Lang and I are going to be in Orlando for All Star Weekend, um, and we're wondering where you need us to be uh, to go to some of these shindigs that we know you're going to be at. Um, we know you need chaperones. And, okay, uh, I'm available. <laughs> Just call, you know, call my office. They'll give you my GPS is around my neck, and you guys can follow me. Okay, and you know what? Some of it you would just say, "Oh my God, what, what, did, what did this guy get us into?" You know, because if you go to all the shindigs, you're going to have to go to the D League owners meeting, the retired players association owners meeting, the owners NBA owners luncheon, the wheelchair basketball classic, which I wouldn't miss, the D League All Star game. Uh, the meeting with the bankers, <laughs> the meeting with the consumer products people, the meetings with the sponsors. I'm uh, I'm here doing jumping jacks because I put my uh, before I put my running shoes on. But it's a it's a it's the best. Uh, it's really the best three days, three and a half days in sports. Mm-hmm. I love it, and it's fun. And uh, obviously, Jeremy Lin is in the uh, Rising Stars competition. We got a. We got something for all the reporters that can complain. The, the, the you know the the slam dunk contest has lost its glamour. It hasn't been good. Okay, except when Dwight Howard put a Superman costume on and Blake jumped over a car. Um, all right, we think it's going to be fine. Uh, and uh, you know the skills competition and the three point shot uh, together with the slam dunk and the rising stars and then the all star game for dessert. It's just a it's a fun it's a fun game, and our players really enjoy putting on a show, and so we're we're really looking forward to it. You, you know, you you just characterize it as the the best three and a half days, and um, you know the NFL. Roger Goodell's talked about putting the Pro Bowl under a view. That's kind of their All Star event. Why does the NBA All Star event work so well for the NBA? Well, in fairness to the NFL, they you know. There's a statistic of some, you know, when you hit hard, you could get hurt. And for an all-star game, you, maybe you don't want to go out there and get hit. Right. Uh, our, our games, our, our our games, our weekend has forever been a place where players lobby. Everyone gets mad. They weren't elected by the fans. They weren't selected by the coach. 
people call and say, my guy's a better three-point shooter than that guy, and someone says, there's this guy you never heard of. He can slam dunk like crazy. And so there's our teams and our players have really taken it up as sort of like, this is where we want to be. And it's not because of the seriousness of the competition. It's because they all want to have a good time and show off all the skills that are reflected in the NBA, the skills at passing, the skills at dunking, the skills of teamwork, and the wonderful sophomore and rookie classes that we have that are going to be pressuring the rest of the league come you know come next year and the year after. Well, you mentioned the the sophomore rookies and the Rising Stars Challenge this year with the draft format, where you you have uh, your favorite analyst Charles Barkley of TNT and uh, Shaquille O'Neal selecting players in that draft format. What do you what are your thoughts about one day you know uh, maybe tweaking the game itself and and allowing some sort of format where the players have a, a more active role in choosing who you know who the guys are that play in this all-star game as opposed to the coaches for at least for the reserves well it's interesting so i think the pressure <laughs> the pressure will be on the players to select their own teammates uh, or not, I, we're always open to ideas. It's mm-hmm. Nothing can possibly be perfect. You start with the fans picking, you, then you go to the coaches. I think a bunch of us could probably do it as well, and we'd be pretty close uh, to what that process is with a couple of exceptions. And honestly, I think it's a good idea. Oh, maybe I'll get in trouble for this. It's not a <laughs> terrible idea. Uh-huh. to allow players to sort of slide into the game based upon what they've accomplished in their career. Hmm. Really? E- even if they're not playing. You know, when I've had to do a commissioner's edition, I remember once back in the day, Larry O'Brien, with a little <laughs> assist from his friends in the office, appointed John Havlicek right. to his last All-Star game. I appointed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. As a substitute to his last All-Star game, you know, you could say, oh, my God, look at the statistics. This guy had 2% more than he did and is having a better year. And my response right. was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the captain. Right. You know, right. cut it out. And and so, I, you know, I, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting subject. But uh, we're trying and we're open to uh, any kinds of permutations and combinations to get it done right. Right. Well, Commissioner, we know you're a busy man this week, as every week, and uh, we appreciate you joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. And we, we will bring running shoes and running attire to uh, Orlando. <laughs> if you need running partners, like I said, Lang and I are going to be on the scene everywhere. Anything you need, you, you just give us a shout. Thank you. Are you sure you can keep up with me? Um, I didn't say I was going to keep up. I just said I was bringing my okay, stuff. I'm huh? teasing. I'm, teasing. <laughs> I'm, looking forward, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. Absolutely, yeah. sir. Thank you very Thanks, much. Guys. All right. Thanks, Commissioner. I was going to say, Seku, if we had on running attire, we might not be able to get in some of those parties. <laughs> but Listen, if we had if David, we had David Stern with us, we get into whatever we want. <laughs> exactly. How about that? Who's going to turn? Who's going to turn him away at the door and say, "Sorry, Commissioner"? Yeah. You know, we're, we're full. We're full tonight. That's what I'm so, saying. That's that's interesting. I love the way he categorized. Uh, all-Star Weekend, the best three and a half days in sport. That that's that should be a that should be a slogan somewhere, shouldn't it? <laughs> best isn't, that what they call the, <laughs> isn't that the Kentucky Derby or something? I don't know. I don't know if that's been trademarked <laughs> yet or not. Or somebody has a 
you know, but that that that's a clever way of putting it because I I think it is a whirlwind you know spell for basketball fans and people who are stargazers and love to see you know the the best of the best come out and watch the best of basketball's best. I I'll never forget the All All Star in L.A. in uh, what was it 2004. Yeah, and I was I had a seat on those risers behind the you know behind one of the baskets. And it was right next to the hallway that all the Hollywood people came through. And I'm telling you, they it was a nonstop parade of the the who's who in, you know, Celebrityville. It was just, right. I mean, you could barely turn and look at the floor because, <laughs> hey, there's, you know, there's Denzel or there's, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, it was like everybody you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And I didn't, uh, you know, I, you don't see those people at the Pro Bowl, like. Yeah, no. <laughs> Last year was the same thing too. I think for the for the NBA, being in LA and yeah. just seeing all those people. Um, I'm curious this year. It, it's almost All Star feels like it's too soon in a way. Does it feel like that to you a little bit? Just because it feels like the season's <laughs> just started. You yeah, know what everything, I mean? Like, everything's too soon this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like we just started. Now it's All Star, and it's kind of like you know, just it's right around the corner. And then you know, in a couple more weeks, it's going to be playoff time. Um, so in a way, I'm wondering if this kind of this weekend is like a, a little bit more of a blow off steam type of weekend uh, where we can finally kind of relax a little bit because you haven't no one's had a chance to relax yeah. the, the last two months. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where. Uh, man, I you know, it's so hard to. To not be fired up about the season, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm. Every I think everybody had that kind of depressing feel yeah. at, at one or time or another during the lockout where you're worried about, man, you know, whew, you know, is this, this thing going to happen? And then when it gets here, I don't know that I was in regular season shape myself, just mentally for the, for the, for the schedule. Like, you know, there are no, there are no dips in the schedule. No, I, yeah. I got a question for you guys. You know, you talked about relaxing at all-star weekend. There's one person who I feel like is not going to relax, and that's John Wall. <laughs> you talked about this a little bit on the blog. Yeah. But I, I, I got to ask. I mean, was I cra- – because, you know, my reputation's on the line here. I took him number one <laughs> in our in our mock draft for the Rising Stars game. He didn't get taken until – what was he, like the seventh or eighth player pick? Maybe even later than 12th. that. I mean, am I, what's what's going on with that? Lang, I don't know. What, do what do you think, Lang? I don't know. I I was stunned that he, that he went as late as he did. Um, I was, I was, I was surprised he went as late as he did in the, the TNT draft. And I was surprised he went as early as he did in the NBA.com draft. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought I, I figured Griffin's, hairs. yeah, you know, yeah. look, it's, it's, this, it's a game and no one's going to remember who won it six months from now, Right. but it should be a lot of fun to watch. I, I, I think I do think he plays better. Walls plays better, and I think he's kind of in these kind of like pickup situations. You know, watching him in Vegas this summer, he was incredible. That's why uh, I took him. Yeah, and I think he'll probably play pretty well in this game. But I also think he probably kind of has been overlooked a lot, just because the Wizards have, have been such a mess this season. Yeah, but I mean, I, I got Michael Lee had some pretty interesting stuff the day after the draft. Walls been playing. I mean, I know we just you take him. And put him in a little bubble and just look at numbers and how he's played. He's been playing great, right? I mean, he's been playing great, and I, 
you've seen it before, Micah and, and Lang. You've seen this where uh, a guy's having a great season or a guy's playing really well, but he's in a tough situation or he's on a losing team. And it, his performance gets overshadowed. And I felt, I felt like after the way he slid down that TNT draft, it was it was a product not of John Wall, but a product of this sour taste you have in your mouth about the Wizards. And, right. Um, Probably. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I so I, I don't think it was as much a slight towards him as it was the situation he's in. But that doesn't that doesn't mean he's not going to show up in Orlando uh, trying to you know make a highlight reel out of you know everybody else that he goes against, which is good, which is a good thing to me. Yeah. Well, Lang. Uh, we, next up on the Hangtime Podcast, we have a another distinguished member of the global basketball community joining us. Uh, United States Secretary of Education Arnie Duncan joining us on the podcast here. Uh, Arnie, how are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We listen. We've seen you in action. <laughs> um, you know, we <laughs> the celebrity game last year. You know, oh, brother, you, I you, hope you weren't watching too closely. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put the you put the goods back on the floor. That was, that was... Uh, we, we we got a W. That's all I care about. We got a W. Got to try and get another W uh, this Friday as well. No doubt you, about it. Have you been training? Are you are you in shape for the game this, uh, this I'm, year? I'm in, de- I'm in decent shape. Uh, not as good as shape I would like, but now I, hopefully I'll do okay. It was a lot of fun last year. A lot of fun. Well, I mean, you know, you obviously have a a high profile job that requires your attention in a lot of different directions, but a lot has been made about the the love that this administration has for the game of basketball. Is that a is that just a, a born and bred thing in Chicago for you specifically? Well, um, for, for me, it was born and bred. Yeah, on the playgrounds of the South Side of Chicago. For the president, it was playing in Hawaii, and we actually you know played together this, this weekend. But we both love to play. We both love to compete mm-hmm. and uh, love to win. <laughs> and uh, so it's a it's a lot of fun. It's sort of a, you know for both of us a stress relief. And obviously, you don't get to play as much as we'd like. But it's a it's a heck of a lot of fun to still get out there. And uh, it's something that's a big big part of, of both of us. Sure. And we know you you played at at Harvard, and obviously the big story right now. Is another Harvard basketball player, and I don't remember the last time we were able to talk about a Harvard basketball player on this podcast. Uh, you, you, I know you've you've had a, a little bit of a relationship with Jeremy Lin. Can you tell us, like, did you have any idea this was coming? I didn't know he was this good. I saw him play a couple times in college, and we actually worked out last year together at the uh, actually at the NBA All Star game that that weekend. Uh-huh. Um, but. I, I, I did know he was much better than what folks gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. And it, that was way before he got to Harvard. Again, you know, as everyone knows now, he was the, the best player on an extraordinarily good high school team that won a state championship and beat a national powerhouse to get there and went unrecruited, which is like mind-boggling. And he sort of fell into Harvard's lap. And Harvard now, with Coach Amaker, is recruiting players of that caliber. But at that time, they sure, you know, they sure weren't. And he really helped to turn that program around. But I do think it's a classic sort of low expectations or, you know, stereotyping because he was Asian-American. And he was, you know, the best player on Harvard's team, I, you know, probably from the time he was a sophomore. And where I sort of got a sense of what he could do was his best games were against the big-time teams, you know, against the Connecticut's, against the Boston Colleges, not against the, you know, the weaker teams in the league. And when you're the best player on the court playing with a bunch of other guys who are going to be future pros, um, he was he 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 showed then that he was at a different level. Right. I don't imagine that uh, Harvard alums go around uh, throwing up their NBA uh, uh, grads in the faces of their Ivy League counterparts. But 
Is there anybody else in the Ivy League that can even compare right now when you guys walk around and start talking about Jeremy Lin? Not in hoops. I mean, <laughs> you know, a, few, a few guys you know, playing pro football, but um, no, not in hoops. And he definitely, he's definitely broke, broke the mold there, no question about it. <laughs> and also, when you, when you were at Harvard, I think this is correct, one of the assistant coaches was Tom Thibodeau? Yeah, Tom Thibodeau was my assistant, and actually I you know, pushed very, very hard for him to get that, that job in Chicago. I just knew he would be extraordinary, and um, you know, he, obviously he's coaching this weekend at the, the All-Star game, but he was someone I had tremendous respect for, and he worked really, really hard with me and helped me have a pro career when a lot of folks thought that was a, a crazy idea for someone like me, <laughs> and uh, I owed him a lot personally, but I, I just know the, the, the work he's put in over the past you know, decade or two, actually, at this point, and so I was thrilled thrilled when he got the job in Chicago. That's obviously my, my home and right. he's done just a, an amazing job, you know, so far. Couldn't have done, you know, couldn't have done better. So was, once in a while things work out in life and that, that's been one of them. I've been really, was, really pleased. Was he as like completely obsessed with basketball back then as he is now? <laughs> what, what, what do you think? <laughs> I didn't know if he had like a hobby then. <laughs> now it doesn't seem like he even has any hobbies or anything going on. He didn't have any then either. <laughs> But um, no, he just—he's a—he's the ultimate gym rat. But he's so—he's so smart, and uh, you know, all the players respect him because he works so hard and works with them individually. And I think that's—you know—that's—it's uh, it, hard to gain the players' respect in the NBA, particularly if you're not a former legend, which he—you know—obviously isn't. Mm-hmm. But the work he put in with—you know—with Yao and Houston and with other folks. Um, you know, what he did in Boston. That's when, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf really caught his eye. It's like, holy cow, you got Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, those guys, you got them playing defense, you know, like that, you know, people didn't think that was possible. And they sure. did it because they respected him so much. And he just, he, he earns, he earns their respect. He earns it because of the work ethic. No one's going to, no one's going to outwork him. Yeah. Arnie, you, the decision to, to pursue a career in pro basketball when you're coming out of Harvard, how hard is it? is that conversation to have with your folks when you say, you know what, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go <laughs> chase this basketball dream around the world yeah. before I, you know, settle down and do something else. Yeah. Well, I was so lucky. I think my friends thought I was crazy, but my parents, <laughs> my parents were, have always been tremendously supportive and, you know, obviously, you know, grew up taking me to games all over the place and, mm-hmm. um, actually grew up playing one-on-one against my mom. She was a really good athlete and <laughs> wow. she used to, she used to whoop me when I was little, uh, <laughs> But it was um, they told they totally understood. So frankly, you know, just nothing but support. And um, you know, tried out for the Celtics, didn't make it. Uh, played briefly, actually, in the old old USBL with uh, Muggsy Bogues and, and Rhode Island goals there. And, and then um, sort of ran out of options and was starting to think about working. And then got a call. Um, it would have been probably December, January after I graduated to go to Australia. And it was just a you know a dream come true, and I couldn't you know couldn't believe it. But it could easily have not have happened, you know. But I just yeah. feel so fortunate that I had that chance, and it changed my life forever. You know, it's just so lucky. You know, so many players better than me that don't get those kinds of opportunities. And I imagine having a, a Harvard degree to fall back on is probably a pretty good. Um, Second chance for you? Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, I, I knew I've had two passions all my life, and, uh, you know, it's, Thibodeau only has one. I was lucky to have two. But for, for me, it's always been it's always been education and basketball. I thought those only two jobs I've ever had, were, you know, playing pro ball and then doing education the rest of my life. But um, I, I really wanted to give it a shot and, you know, have no regrets. And it's obviously not something you can come back at later. So I understood I had a, you know, a window of opportunity. And I uh, was just so fortunate that it worked out again. There's so many folks who have similar dreams who don't get that chance. So I, I know how lucky I was. Arnie, do you do you ever try and make that point to people now in, in your position? Uh, 
you know, as a secretary of education, the, the, the importance of that extracurricular activity, whatever it might be, but certainly in this case, basketball and how that's married with the achievement of trying to, to do bigger and better things beyond high school and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I try and take it from a couple different angles. So I always talk about, for me, it was obviously sports and basketball, but for other kids, it's you know, art or music or dance or the chess team or robotics or whatever it might be. But giving those opportunities for students to engage beyond the normal school day is hugely, hugely important. And if we want to reduce dropout rates and keep kids coming to school, you've got to give them a reason to be excited about that. And so particularly when budgets are tough, I, I hate when those things get cut and we push very, very hard against that. Um, yeah. The second thing I do all the time, I'm in schools, you know, basically every single week, but particularly if I'm, you know, in the inner city or someplace and I ask, you know, how many of you want to be a pro athlete or pro ball player and everybody's hands goes up. And I say, well, guess what? So did I. You know, and chase that dream, but catch an education at the same time. And I think it gets, right. it, it, it gets kids' attention. They sort of understand, you know, where I'm coming from. It's great to, to pursue that, um, but I, I'm very realistic on the odds about it. And I'm saying, you know, do that, but, but get a great education. Then you're going to have lots of opportunities out there. So it's, it's, such a great, uh, so it's such a great vehicle for me to build friendships. And, you know, kids don't just see you as some guy in a suit. They see you as someone who has a you know, pretty similar upbringing and similar goals and similar dreams. And you're able to have a conversation at a different level than I think um, kids sort of expect coming in. Right. And I imagine now you probably get pretty good tickets to the Bulls games. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I, I go where they come here to, to uh, D.C. I haven't been to a game back home. Um, wow. But I'm just so proud of what they're doing. I was fortunate when I ran Chicago Public Schools to you know, watch Derrick Rose, you know, coming yeah. up, and I'm, he's just an amazing, amazing kid, and you know, so humble and just so committed to winning. And uh, so I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and sort of watched him throughout his high school career. So to see him doing that, to see see Coach Dippo there, it's uh, it's uh, it's mind-boggling. It's it's, it's absolute, you know, dreams come true at lots of different levels. Yeah, Do you, I imagine uh, you won't be complaining if there's a a Bulls and whoever NBA Finals matchup. Uh, what, what would that mean to you and other Bulls fans, lifelong Bulls fans? Yeah, well, I think they got a real shot. Obviously, they had a shot last year, didn't quite you know make it, but they're playing good ball now. And if, if Derek stays healthy, I think they got as good a shot as anybody. And as you guys know so well, when you get to the playoffs, it's often the best defensive team that wins. And I, I think I can make a pretty good case that the Bulls are the best defensive team in the, in the NBA right now. So, so much of this is, is health and, you know, a, a shortened season. You know, it's obviously greater risk of injury and got to see how Derek does going forward. But um, I would not count them out. I would not count them out against anybody. And uh, it, it would be amazing to see. But I think that's not a, that's not a crazy dream. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier um, playing playing pickup basketball with the president. And uh, I know people are usually kind of tight-lipped about those games. <laughs> Any kind of scouting report you can give us on, on oh. President Obama's game? Yeah, we, we have a lot of fun. And we, we have sort of a set of old guys that know how to play and pass pretty well. We usually play a set of younger guys. Uh, Reggie Love sort of puts together the other team. And we, uh, right. we usually do pretty well against them, to be honest with you. So I don't want to talk any smack <laughs> here. But we, do, we do just fine. And uh, But, it, no, it's, it's, it's a tremendous amount of fun. And, uh Get out there and you know break a sweat and you know the camaraderie and um, we uh, it's we do as much as we can again not not nearly as frequently as we, any of us would like to but it's a, it's a good good break. Well, I don't know what kind of uh, national security clearance we have around here, but uh, if we ever get to D.C., 
we'll bring our sneakers. Hopefully, uh, you know, if you guys need some subs, we'll be around. <laughs> That'd be fine. That'd be fine. We'll give, give us an excuse to get out there. No we doubt. We referee or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we look forward to seeing you at uh, All-Star Weekend in Orlando. Um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Should be, be a great time. Friday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. We'll have our Harvard jerseys on. Exactly. Harvard. We're going to have our Sanity jerseys and T-shirts on. So. <laughs> find, find, me, find me one. I'll sport it, too. No, no, all right. no. All right. Arnie Duncan, the uh, United States Secretary of Education, joining us on the podcast. We appreciate you so much. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks All right, so take care. Take care. I'm sure. I'm sure we can find a Lynn Sanity jersey for uh, the the head man of the U.S. Department of Education. You think we can got one of those lying around here somewhere, Micah? They're handing them out on the street up here in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I can just go outside my building and pick one up. I think. How sweet is that, though? The Secretary of Education is a former college baller and a former pro baller that's that's, that's the first cabinet member we've had on the podcast I've that is yeah about. that is a groundbreaking first for us uh, yeah. a, a ca- u.s cabinet member that allowed us to call him by his first name and yes you know totally. we I, should point out we, we asked before yeah, yeah yeah we asked we definitely asked and uh there's no disrespect there we asked none him and, none yeah we wouldn't have been calling him that without uh his blessing and that you know what Polit- politics aside i know this isn't a political show but I love the the message he was sending in what he was talking about only because, you know, Jer- that that story, and we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks on the podcast, Jeremy Lin's story is is so huge in terms of it's the, it's the uh, eternal lesson about working hard and perseverance and all that stuff. And I'm telling you, Lang, it resonates with everybody. I, I mentioned it before uh, last week. People that don't even like basketball – are coming up to you and talking about Jeremy Lin, and that's when you know you've you've you struck a chord and kind of found something that transcends even the game, which to me is always fun—the fun thing about this job and, and being in this world. My measuring stick is always when my wife asks me about basketball. <laughs> that's when I know like that something's kind of transcended the yes. NBA world and made it into the to the popular culture. And uh, and she's been asking me about Jeremy Lin nonstop. Yes, and, you know I don't know how much of that just being in New York because. Here it's been crazy, but I, I assume it's just as I don't know if it's as prevalent everywhere else, but but here it's been just insane in the Linsane or whatever you want to say. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Jeremy Lin, and I know it's uh, kind of uh, sweeping the country as as it were. It's kind of it's funny that you know there's this huge Harvard Chicago connection right now in I the know. NBA. How also, crazy is that? I mean, that, yeah. it's fascinating stuff. And no, it's believe me, it's not just New York. Um, you know, because my wife is my uh, gauge as well, and uh, and she's all these years later, she still doesn't like basketball. But when she's sitting, uh, you know, in front of the, the the big screen on Sunday and, and clapping at the screen every time, you know, Jeremy Lin has the ball, like let's go, let's go. You know, you know he's uh, he's hit a he's hit a chord with people, um, you know, beyond just the the diehards like ourselves. So that's. That's a good story, man. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see him up close and personal this weekend in Orlando. Uh, interested to see he and all of our guests today on the Hang Time Podcast in Orlando. NBA Commissioner David Stern joining us first, and uh, and then Arnie Duncan, the, the United States Secretary of Education. Like you said, our first cabinet member here on the Hang Time Podcast. That's that's a coup. We got to give a we need a we need a clap track for our man Micah Hart uh, in there handling the business. I don't. I don't know how he does it sometimes, Lang. He's he's uh he's gonna be asking for a raise though sometime soon, so we better figure it out. 
uh, <laughs> I don't know if he knows how he does it either. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But we will uh, we will pick this up uh, under the lights in Orlando at All Star Weekend. Appreciate you joining us as always here on the Hang Time Podcast, and we'll uh, see you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. <laughs>